Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, The Door Devil. Homeowners spend hundreds on alarm systems each year, but rarely reinforce the weakest point on the home, the doors. Bad guys know this, and that's why kick-ins are so common. Simply adding door devils virtually eliminates the home security gap. Sleep better tonight. Reinforce your doors. Visit doordevil.com and enter best ever to get an exclusive 20% discount on your purchase. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Philip Elms. Hi, Philip. Hello, Joe. Good morning. Good morning, and welcome to the show. And I am glad that we finally got connected and uh, looking forward to talking to you. A little bit about Phil. He is the founder of NDP, it stands for Neighborhood Development Partners which is focused on buying, improving, and reselling homes in Chicago's South Side inner city neighborhoods. He's a licensed broker, and he's been a licensed broker since 1973, so 41 years, and he is active in real estate um, both as a broker and a developer of residential and commercial real estate. So with that being said, Phil, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more background on your experience and what you're focused on now? I started out in real estate, as many people do, part-time back, as you suggest, very ungraciously, uh, 41 years ago. But uh, I won't hold that against you. <laughs> Just sticking to the facts, my friend. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Uh, I, had, uh, uh, I was working at a college where I was able to, uh, to study for the real estate broker's exam uh, for nothing. So I thought that was fine. But I didn't, I didn't do anything with it till about a year later. When I started part-time in the neighborhood real estate office, I, I was working full-time as a college admissions counselor. And within a matter of months, uh, it, uh, I figured out doing the real estate thing one way or another, I was going to be making about two or three times what that little college was going to pay me for, uh, for essentially marketing their educational goods uh, in the Chicago area. My first major project was uh, a, a listing I was given by, um, by the office to kind of get my juices flowing on a, on a newly built little commercial property there in the neighborhood, which, quite frankly, I had no success whatsoever uh, in selling. I had no contacts. I had little experience. Uh, but uh, meanwhile, I'd been uh, 
studying. I mean, after all, I was still in graduate school for all practical purposes, professional student. And I had turned up the, what was called at the time uh, syndication, real estate syndication. So I proposed to a neighborhood uh, attorney that we do that. And it, it was really just a, it was a new thing. And I found where I couldn't sell that piece of property to a single person that it really took me uh, oh, about a, a week or two to put together a presentation. But then having done that, it only took about a week or 10 days to line up 10 people from the community who were happy to take a piece of the project uh, for obviously a lot less money. I think in total, I needed $40,000 to put down on the, on the property and I raised 50 to cover the expenses and it went well. So it was truly an object lesson uh, that uh, in using OPM <laughs> and you know the uh, other people's money, uh, and quite frankly, that described my career for the next for easily for the next decade with uh, with that business model, with essentially with no money, uh, I was able I was able to get quickly involved in multifamily uh, rehab. Uh, condo conversion, acquiring properties for long-term rental, and so forth. And the uh, uh, the corollary to that was uh, the message that came through very early on, loud and clear, that if you wanted any sort of continuity of income or stability in the real estate business, you had to one way or another figure out uh, how to get involved in equity, in equities. The uh, At the closing table, uh, the people walking away with the serious money are those who are buying and selling, not the broker. Uh, the broker is getting a, a little slice of that, which he's sharing with his company. And uh, he's only essentially as good as his next deal. So I spent, uh, quite frankly, the decades uh, following that uh, doing, doing much the same, involved both in commercial properties, condo conversions, uh, and so forth. Um, back in the late 90s, however... I really uh, uh, did the, I, I took on the project of my career, of course, and while it went well early on, uh, in the end, uh, I crashed and burned, uh, having sold sold over $6 million worth of, con uh, worth of condominiums out of the project. The project stalled, and uh, I, I just simply uh, fought and fought and fought, but, but could not pull it off, and in the end, got stripped. So there I was. What I have no idea was that twenty five years into the business and supposed to be a grown up and a professional, and uh, I was uh, pretty much wiped out. But the interesting thing about entrepreneurship is that, uh, in my reading and my experience, most successful entrepreneurs have crashed and burned more than once. The difference is they, and I might say we in this case, um, put together a skill set. Well, let me tell you, Phoenix-like, we rise from the ashes darn sight faster than most folk. And in this case, I took as my solution, uh, I just went right back to basics and found a little house that I could, that I could scrape together just uh, uh, with just a few thousand dollars, enough money to, uh, to buy it. And it was a foreclosure. And it was, in today's jargon, it was a fix and flip. Um, and, uh, and I kind of sniffed out an opportunity there that I had not seen before. Um, and since that time, since roughly, uh, oh, 1999, 2000, I've been concentrating my efforts on uh, small single family, two flats, three flats on the South side. 
and uh, the uh, today is essentially um, uh, having done that. Uh, I started a program uh, to support a wholesaling uh, effort that I started out with in, uh, 15 years ago. And pretty soon the program became the thing. And uh, we call it the Urban Rehabber Program. And it, it essentially monthly meetings of folks who for years just simply came by word of mouth. And by now, I lost, I, I quit counting after we had over 10,000 people who came to our monthly meetings and um, began taking classes that I teach. Uh, because I felt that I would, uh, well, because they asked me to. They were people were buying the early wholesale deals, and quite frankly, they were failing miserably. They were getting stripped, uh, you know, by by contractors, by brokers, by pretty much who, anyone who sniffed out their newbie status in the business. Uh, and uh, those roundtables, those monthly meetings, became tutorials, and the group as a whole finally asked me if I wouldn't formalize that into a, uh, into a, uh, a seminar or something to that effect. And, uh, so I taught my first seminar back in, uh, back in 2000. And, and, uh, by now, uh, my students, we, we, we truly don't know, but, uh, but I, but I've got enough students who've done 30, 40 and 50 rehabs that I can say with confidence that probably, and, We've probably rehabbed, my my students, I should say, Uh, and the older you get, the more pride you take in the success of your students. We've probably done uh, well over over $300 million worth of of small-scale neighborhood redevelopment on the south and west side of Chicago, and we continue to do that today. And uh, uh, so while, yes, I'm still actively act how can one not be involved in in investing in today's in today's market um, the uh, uh, so I continue to do that but I'm also teaching and um, and uh, more and more we're going to be doing that over the internet as well so that's kind of it and, and, and if there's a nutshell I guess that's it uh, Joe the uh, uh, interesting career lots of ups and downs um, yeah I made my million bucks but I also saw it go away. Um, so I guess if there's a lesson to be learned, the million bucks can't be the goal. You know, the, you know, your, your goal has got, has, has, has got to be to somehow take what it is you're doing and, and, and make it a calling. And I guess in, in my case, uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm a real estate guy, but as much as anything, I take pride in the fact that, uh, I'm a pretty good coach and I'm a pretty good mentor and my students are doing just great couple questions for you uh, to follow up on some of the things you mentioned. Raising money for deals, you started out doing that, did it for about a decade. Then you, know, you had the condominium uh, project, which I'll ask another, a follow-up question on that in a second. Uh, but real quickly, how did you structure your deals with investors? What type of equity were you giving them? Was it a preferred return? What type of split were you doing? And with what type of projects were you doing those? All right. Well, the uh, I mean, think about it. The, understanding how that's done is what uh, essentially got uh, got this this down at the heels broke developer back into the back into the business fifteen years ago. So it's it's your ability to do that that uh, uh, I guess for me individually, sure, it's a no money down deal. The only reason it's a no money down deal 
is because I've 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 learned ways to uh, to to raise money from the public, if you will, from from other investors who need somehow or another want to bite out of my apple. And so my advice for somebody taking this direction is one way or another, you need to get control of a, of a deal. Get control of a deal, simple control. And in, in our business, we would call that contract rights, okay? Once the contracts are in hand, if, if, if you know what you're doing, you, can th- you are then in a position to offer somebody a piece of that deal, and they're in no position to do essentially because they've got the money and you don't. Go around you, take the deal, and fly with it. So in today's uh, environment, uh, the uh, uh, most folks are using LLCs for the purpose. That's not that's not important. You could use a simple joint venture agreement um, or a partnership agreement. Uh, folks who join my program get a bundle of documents called a toolkit. There are simple partnership and joint venture agreements in that toolkit that uh, can, without adaptation, can be used to to essentially set up a partnership with the with the the call it the promoter of the uh, of the venture, uh, you, me, uh, putting that together is one way or another. The document calls for maintaining absolute, but simple but absolute control of the deal. You can't have your investor calling the shots. Uh, the uh, and the control issue can be separated from profit sharing. So a typical deal for me is. Invest, uh, I get control of a deal. It can be a, it can be a, a million dollar deal, or it could be a seventy five thousand dollar little rehab. The investor puts up uh, puts up the money or the, or money and the credit. They the, they will get uh, today fifty uh, percent of the uh, of the profits. They get the uh, the uh, the profits are subordinated to their return of capital absolutely one hundred percent. I, as a promoter, don't get a nickel out of the deal until the investor gets their money back. But then the profits are distributed fifty fifty. Ownership is fifty one percent in my favor, but profits are distributed fifty fifty. The first deal I did, well, I guess I was a newbie at that, and I was delighted with ten percent of the profits uh, and and some management fees. Um, the, uh, so, uh, those deals change as you get more, as you, as you get more experience, you're, br- uh, what you're bringing to the table is your expertise and don't kid yourself. If you haven't got it, do, do yourself and your prospective investors a, fa- a favor and don't do the deal. Uh, you know, the, you know, this is not, you, you, you take on a fiduciary responsibility for somebody else's money and, and you have to treat that as sacrosanct. And if you cannot, in good conscience, uh, represent to, the, to your investor that you know what you're doing, that you've studied it, you've got a plan, you've got a plan B, um, then uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're, 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 bumping, you're bumping up against a fraudulent representation and don't do it. It's just not right. It's not moral. It's not ethically right. And also as a practical matter, you're probably also it's a prescription for failure. Does that help? Absolutely. Yep. I, I like how uh, 
you got into specifics of the 50-50 split after the investor receives their money um, that they initially put into it, and then after that it's 50-50. A quick question on the condominium project, not to pour salt in wounds, but just from a learning for a learning exercise standpoint. Uh, you said the project stalled. You, I believe you mentioned you sold 6,000 condominiums in the 90s, but then something happened. What specifically caused it to happen? And how would you, in the future, uh, attempt to avoid that? Well, that's a, that's a good question. First of all, un, un, understand that this uh, uh, that this happened in you know mid mid career, and it was essentially a deal that I was doing on my own account. Uh, I had uh, uh, you know based on based on my own uh, resources, I was able to gain control of the property, and uh, it was a loft building, so it was a vacant industrial building uh, on the northwest side of Chicago. Which I thought I'd find three sweat, you know, what it was, uh, three floors, uh, six sweatshops to move in and and collect my rent and uh, and retire. And of course, what happened is that building was a vacant industrial building because it had become functionally obsolete, and no sweatshops wanted to occupy such a space in the inner city. Uh, the the nature that's why we have vacant loft buildings all over the Northeast uh, in your neighborhood and and in cities all over the country. So. Ultimately, uh, what happened is young artists and craftsmen started coming over and said, man, I love the windows. Can I, can I, I'll, I'll build out my own box if I can live here. And then, so I was smart enough to pick that up and we started creating apartments. I set it up as a rental building. And, uh, but at the time I, I started running into extraordinarily high, uh, real estate taxes. Uh, which I could not beat back because, in fact, the building was generating a, a cash flow of a half million dollars a year. Uh, there was still so much work to be done on the building. I decided that I better uh, essentially reposition it. I put it on the market. The only people who approached me were were condo developers. And so I said, well, wait a minute. I've only done about two dozen condo conversions in my career. Do it yourself. So I found a lender that, based on my equity in the building, would finance a, a very, very interesting revolving, uh, revolving line of credit for a million eight. So I was able to do five million dollars worth of construction on the strength of a, of a, million, a one million eight loan. Because as I would sell things, the proceeds would go back into the into the revolver, and it worked fine. It worked fine until that that, that neighborhood bank was bought by a downtown bank, who simply said. Uh, you know, this isn't our kind of deal. Uh, you got a year to get it out and you know find find another lender. We're not interested in in uh, uh, in these small scale developments. Uh, it's a nuisance for us. Well, the, the way my financing had been structured, all the proceeds out of closings went back into the revolver, so I had no cash. And so here's something. Here, here's a little uh, kind of heads up. Uh, you can't. Re- you can't go to a conventional lender and borrow the money if you don't have if you need it. <laughs> they, they fully expect you to have cash reserves, uh, other assets, and so forth. And with uh, and all things being equal, they might loan you the money. So, in fact, in a year's time, I could not find another uh, find another lender who, because literally all of my all of my assets, all of my liquidity was tied up in the property. They they didn't understand how I could sell five million dollars worth of condominiums and not have a quarter million or a half million dollars stashed someplace in a Swiss account or who knows, and uh, and in the end 
uh, it got short sailed uh, to another developer and, and I was out on the street. I guess the message there uh, is uh, ought to be obvious. Following your dream to the point, uh, you know, to the point of, of absolute overreaching, going into projects without without viable plan B's, without liquidity, without resources, is foolhardy. And the uh, I could have, in today's market, uh, gone and taken a fraction of that amount of money and rehabbed ten houses in the neighborhoods on the south side of Chicago and walked away with a half million dollars. And I can do that today. Okay, uh, the idea of tying everything up in a complex construction project, um, you know, having everybody pat you on the back right, right along the way, but in the end, having something that is you've taken on the eight hundred pound gorilla—it's a David and Goliath thing. You know, once in a while, Goliath wins. <laughs> what can I tell you? So, so the uh, so what's the answer? Have a plan B. Maintain your liquidity. So we've talked about a lot of stuff, and you've given a lot of great advice already, and we haven't even gotten to the best part. Phil, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, first of all, be prepared, because quite frankly, coming into my program, are, are, there's always the room is a third full of folks who come in and say, I have a dream, real estate is my passion, and I want to go out and do 36 flat buildings. Uh, the... Uh, my advice is, first of all, be legitimately prepared. <laughs> okay, I mean, uh, I mean, I was able to do my first syndication because I already had studied real estate. I had a real estate broker's license. Uh, I uh, uh, was affiliated with a firm that gave me standing in the community. I put together a team. Okay, what's the team? Well, I had an, an architect I could put in. I could put in the presentation. I had an attorney I could put in the presentation. I had the the uh, the real estate brokerage that I was affiliated with, which had standing within the community. You had, you put together enough of a team, and you're almost incidental. You are the catalyst. You might be the right young person, man or woman. Uh, but folks are buying the package you put together and you put that package together because you have the expertise to do so. Gives you something to sell. Obviously, I also had contract rights on that property. So it, it, it is truly um, uh, about, first of all, being prepared. Okay, I mean, that seems like, well, yeah, right. Folks approach small-scale uh, in, investing with the, with the attitude that they pick up off of cable television that any any idiot can go out there and make a ton of money. Or they attend a seminar at a Holiday Inn in the suburbs with some young fellow up there who's probably not 35 years old who talks about all the great deals he's done. Well, then you wonder why he's pitching his books and tapes in the front of the room. Um, the, uh, be, you know, be, be substantially prepared. Understand it. I can teach this stuff because I made every mistake in the book. Uh, so find a mentor, do, uh, uh, which I, of course, never was able to do. I just had to go out and do it. Uh, find a mentor, be properly prepared. And yeah, you can do no money down deals. But in, but in fact, it won't be no money down because you're going to you, – the resources you bring, your skill set you bring to the table is your equity. And, and, uh, and with that, you can do wonderful things. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Oh, sure. Let her go. Let her rip. Best ever book you've read? Best ever. Guerrilla Marketing. Uh, Jay Conrad Levinson. 
the skills that you develop in marketing are going to carry you furthest of all. And, uh, and we can go into that a little bit more with, uh, with your later questions. Go ahead. Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it. Uh, one of my first major projects was with a group of folks in, uh, in the Hyde Park community where we decided to take, uh, in time, it was four contiguous 100-year-old commercial buildings and buy them up as a neighborhood redevelopment effort. We were going to personally redevelop uh, uh, those four buildings to be a catalyst for, uh, for revitalizing that commercial street. We got so far along with it when one of the tenants ex- excavating the basement uh, left, left pipes exposed overnight, and there was a torrential rain. I got a phone call at 6 in the morning saying, Phil, your building just fell down. Well, in fact, it hadn't fallen down, but, but one of the common walls uh, had had the foundation literally almost tip away, get washed out by stormwater. And we were looking at a building that, uh, that, that suddenly had to be evacuated, was in fact on the edge of uh, collapse. And uh, to make the long story short, it, it took us eight months. But with uh, uh, but it, uh, it that was probably the most terrifying experience of my life because I was I was viewing you know we, when you do a deal you are personally on every bit of financing and had that come down uh, I was uh, I with a young wife young children was looking at a catastrophic situation so we toughed it out we hunkered down. And in time, the building was restored and fully occupied. It was arguably uh, the first commercial con- uh, condominium conversion because that's how we liquidated the property. Probably, maybe anywhere in Chicago, certainly on the south side. I guess what I'm saying is that, the, that, that that was important to me because it was essentially overcoming not just fear, overcoming terror, Im- being immobilized, and then and then saying, "All right, what's first? What's second? What do we need to do to get things back online? And I guess it's in overcoming that, that that little deal probably became the most important deal in my life. Best ever success habit you practice? Well, I read a lot. I study. Uh, it's overlooked, but uh, uh, if we're going to do this, you, you need, if nothing else, subscribe to Fine Home Building Magazine. Every issue gives you some piece of what uh, of, uh, of, of uh, building technology. So, well, I'm an English major. Well, let me tell you, if you're going to mess around with real estate and mess around with buildings, you have to somehow understand uh, at least at least more than the rudiments of building technology, construction technology. You don't have to be a tradesman. You don't have to uh, you don't have to be a tile man to, to to understand out of the book what the current art is, what the current practices are. Because very often, particularly on small-scale jobs, uh, your the, the people you employ will represent themselves to you as being skilled, and in fact, they're not. And you don't have to be a tile man to understand that you start with concrete board, not green, not, not green gypsum board, and that there's a protocol and there are things to follow. And at that point, you're going you're gonna to be in a position to understand when, when the job is being done right and take, take corrective action. So, so even though it seems foreign to you, uh, uh, you, you really have to learn that stuff. Uh, you, you've got to know enough about technology to understand that you're getting a fair shake from the tradesmen you employ because they may not be trying to cheat you. They simply 
I can't tell you how many times. They just simply don't know any better. Best ever deal you've done. Best ever, best ever deal I've done. All I'd have to say is that first syndication, wouldn't it? You know, you know, we've talked about it, but that, but the, uh, but what I learned out of that was that uh, uh, if if you put together uh, put together the appropriate skill set, you can rally the resources of others to accomplish a, an objective that works for everyone concerned, including the marketplace. Best ever quote. Best ever quote. Let me tell you, I can't tell you the source. It might be Phil Elms, but the uh, but essentially, I think we all should understand. If you have an interest in real estate, and you're going to get involved. That for, you are in the marketing business, or you're making a decision to go into the marketing business. Real estate, my friend, is your product or your service. And what's the best ever place to reach you, Phil? Well, you can start with my website, UrbanRehabber.com. And I, I, uh, you go to, you, know, you go to, uh, well, every website's got kind of an about us, about me or about something or other. And you'll find uh, email addresses. You'll find a, an 800 phone number. Um, the, uh, I do return my calls. Uh, the, uh, uh, I'm a classic one man shop. I'm afraid, uh, uh, the, what, what makes me more than that are the students that I, uh, that I'm able to field and support and coach along the way. As you can guess, I I love I love the subject, and I'm happy to happy to uh, uh, to visit with anybody. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with the best ever listeners, and sharing your advice from you know the years of experience that you have, and the mistakes that you've made, but then also the triumphs that you've had, and um, you know the mentality that you've. Uh, maintained throughout the entire process and the psychology that you've honed uh, throughout it as well. So thank you so much, Phil, and we'll talk to you soon. Joel, it was fun. Thank you. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.